I've only offered this to one other person. This is uh, this is John Elway, who's pretty pretty decent athlete back in his day. I told him when he came on the Best Damn Sports Show period, I said, if you would like to apologize to me as a Cleveland Browns fan, go for it, because I was there at the drive January 11th, 1987, when he drive, you know, drove him 98 yards, et cetera. I've obviously moved on. I will offer you the same um, if you want to there's, take back that Game no, 7 homer. There's no apology. What are you talking about? No chance. No chance. I was like a backup catcher. But you had, a, you had another ring. Yeah, but I didn't have a homer in the game. You know, that was, that's a, that's a cool thing, man. Welcome to another edition of the Chris Rose Rotation presented to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Of course, last week we were all in San Diego for the baseball winter meetings. First time we all got together since they were in San Diego in 2019. And it was great to be able to see, yeah, a lot of friends I hadn't caught up with, but also a bunch of the major league managers. And today we're going to group them in our National League setting, if you will. So you're going to hear from Chicago Cubs skipper, David Ross, always hilarious. Bob Melvin of the San Diego Padres. We caught up with him before they ended up signing Xander Bogarts, but still a lot of interesting stuff in there. And Craig Council of the Milwaukee Brewers. My man, David Ross from the north side of Chicago. What keeps you busy in the offseason? You got three kids, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's what keeps you busy. Good memory, yeah. I go into straight dad mode. I think uh, packing lunches in the morning, waking up early, and I'm, I'm probably in bed around 10, 10.30. Oh, perfect. Yeah, you, you've got kids. It's like you... It's uh, going from managing games to home, and uh, my daughter's into volleyball, my son's football, ball baseball. i got a seven-year-old as well. Um, yeah, just dad and trying to throw myself in their lives and um, try to be the best, best dad I can, make, make, uh, make up for some, some lost time. So have you coached any of their teams at you know any what, point? You know what my favorite thing was this offseason was um, I, their Cole's Fall League team, my son's Fall League team, uh, their coach went down to help with some of the hurricane stuff oh, wow. and couldn't get back uh, for one of the games and just called me and said, hey, can you uh, manage the game today? Oh, oh, yes. It was so much fun. And how old? Chris, uh, he's 13. Okay. So, yeah, it was just like, you know, I it was funny because it's, they were all, you know, when they make mistakes, they just get so down on themselves. And I was just like, I was just like the, the hype man on the team. That's all I did. It was like, let's go, keep playing, throwing strikes, you know, and set up down the middle. It's hard to hit. And um, it was so we ended up tying the time right now because you have a tie on your scorecard now. Yeah, I got a tie. Yeah, it's high, and I'm proud of it actually because it's probably one of the, it's probably the, my favorite game of the year. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Um, did you show up in full uni? Uh, I didn't. I don't have a uni. I didn't have a. Yeah, no, I didn't do it. I just. I mean, that would have been taking it the extra step. That, to be honest well, with you, I, I didn't want to like make the. I don't want to make it all about me. I should have worn a Cubs uni, but I want. See, you know, that would not about great. me that day. But, but it should have been. <laughs> to be honest with you, if we get a mulligan, or if the, if there's another natural disaster and you have to fill in, all please, right. I'll get some video of that. Yeah, please Send head it to toe to, to the head to, to toe. John Boyce guys. That's be that would be great. Um, to me, you know, I managed for years. Now you've seen me throw baseball. I suck at it. Right, I can't play with shit. Um, but I did love coaching my kids. To me, the pain in the ass were the parents. You always have to, like, if there are parents that are out here listening, like, don't be the reason your kid quits a sport. Yeah, they were nice to me, obviously, that day. They just were like, oh, the kids had so much fun. Course, you brought yeah. energy, like, Sweet. you know. I get it. Yeah, but I'm not, that wasn't the everyday guy. And that's, <laughs> I don't know, if, I don't have to deal with parents in my job now, thank goodness. But, um, yeah, I think we've all run across those parents that are just obsessed with their kids' success. And, you know, whether that's good or bad, I think it just makes for a tough environment at times. Like you yeah. said, it's like, don't, don't be that parent. And like, also, when enjoy it. Like, yeah. it's so hard. Like, those are precious. Make great memories. Don't make it this, this uh, you know, you see kids are so hard on themselves. And I think that comes from the parent. Totally. Like, you know, like, 
relax. Like if your kid gets four hits in a little league game, doesn't mean they're going to the show the next day. <laughs> right. Right. So uh, easier said than done, I guess. I, I go to my, my daughter's competitive volleyball and she's 15 and I go there and I, I remember one game I almost yelled like they have the other team girls uh-huh. like line judges and one ball she pointed out and was in and I was fixing to jump up out of my chair and yell and I was like, what are you doing? You're the manager that comes with a lot. I'm like looking around. Did anybody see that? You know? Yeah. It was like the competitive juices do come out. I, 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 they get in there every once in a while, but, um, it's a little easier for me to relax in the baseball scene when my daughter's competing in volleyball and these travel tournaments and it's, you know, back and forth. And, uh, it's such a fun sport. It's a fast paced sport. And, uh, uh, such a great great sport. I get I get caught up in it every once in a while. Did you see the video of the volleyball player going over the table? I just was telling John Boy. I, I told him uh, I sent it to my my uh, daughter last oh, night the on social media. Yeah, the breakdown. I sent the whole thing. Well, the, his breakdowns are hilarious because that's what we started talking about. And I think you just black out when you start arguing with an umpire. But the stuff he had last night and the fact like her teammate she dove for that ball over the table and her teammates running back smiling is like holy cow what did she just do? And then she comes back smiling. I think how he broke that down was pretty impressive. We had Brandon Hyde of the Orioles drop by earlier, and he said the first thing he said was, my son loves John Boy, and when I got tossed from a game, you know, Jimmy did a full breakdown on it, and everybody's sending it to me. Has he has he gotten you yet? Yeah, the one in Cincinnati, me and Chris Conroy got into it, and uh, I, I definitely, my uh, – my my phone was blowing up the next day with it back, and then it's fun kind of to watch because I you black out, you right. don't know what you're actually saying. Hyder uh, is a good friend of mine uh, on our 2016 yeah. team uh, coach, and so um, walking through that and listening to it, I was telling him, you know, we were going back and forth, me and Chris, and one time he's I said something, and uh, Chris was like, "No way," and I was like, "Yes way," and I was like, <laughs> "What am I five? You know?" And my uh, one of my front office guys, our GM Carter Hawkins, all the times, if I ever say no way, he, he's immediately back in my face with yes way because of that video. That's great. So, yeah, so it's it's an ongoing joke within our front office. Well, you caught for so long in the show, and you know I have Austin Hedges, who's a regular on the Rose rotation, and he says, "Listen, there's a way to talk to umpires back there. You you can't tell them they suck, even when on days that they suck and stuff like that." So then when that changed and you became a manager, do all the rules change? Uh, yeah, well, you just less control. I, th- I think there, there's an element when I manage that I, I want to support the player in their, you know, kind of the dynamic of protecting my guys. You know, that's where that instance came from in Cincinnati a little bit. But um, there's a way I being back there. Austin's right. Like being back there, you respect the heck out of umpires because you realize how hard it is and. Um, the players have a really good eye and there's borderline pitches and big moments and you have those conversations. You can't have those anymore, but you do get constant feedback in the dugout of when a guy's having a bad day. So um, you try to you try to help them try to clean it up and maybe they don't recognize that or maybe they just don't care that day, but um, they have good and bad days just like players and, and you know, I think, you know, I've managed enough games now that I know I make mistakes on days too and uh, it's all going to play out, but it's an emotional game and big moments and um, you know, I've been tossed a couple of times. It's one of those, like you get tossed and you know why, but then as soon as you, you get in the, at least me, as soon as I get inside, usually I regret it, you know, <laughs> I wish I would have handled it a little bit differently, but you know, I'm an emotional guy. More of the Rose rotation coming your way. But first I want to tell you a little bit about CSG. We all know that over the last few years, you know, it's become a booming business trading cards. They are back. 
and CSG is an expert and an impartial third-party authentication and grading service for sports cards. So after grading sports cards, they're encapsulated in archival, durable, and crystal clear CSG holders that protect and preserve. They're a lot like this one. In fact, you know who I've got in here? My newest Cleveland guardian, Josh Bell. So I want to protect this with my life. Of course, every CSG certified sports card is backed by the CSG guarantee of authenticity and grade, which is the strongest in the entire industry. Collectors know that they can buy and sell with peace of mind when a card is in one of these, a CSG holder, because its authentication and condition are guaranteed. CSG consistently has the best turnaround times and pricing among leading third-party sports grading services as well. And right now, we want to save you some dough. Prices are 20% off for grading. Promo code gets you $15 off a of yearly memberships, but this offer expires at the end of the month, which is also the end of the year, December 31st, 2022, if you're not familiar with the calendar system. So grade your sports cards with CSG. Get 15 bucks off your yearly memberships with the promo code ROSE at csgcards.com. Who was your uh, favorite umpire to work with when you were behind the dish? Was there one guy you were like, oh, we're in good shape. This is going to be fun. We're going to have a great time. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, going back, there's, I, you know, Joe West got a bad rap, but he was one of my favorites because it's like. You're not the first guy who's told me that. Really? Yeah, he had, I was in, one. Of, it's a funny story. Uh, early on, I was a rookie in big league camp with the Dodgers in Vero Beach going way back. But mm. he had a game, and um, I was my, it was my first big league camp, and Paul Quantrill could could put it wherever he wanted. And he threw one away, thought I caught the corner. I was like, hey, Joe, where's that at? He's like, that's outside. I was like, geez, like, that was almost middle. You know, <laughs> next, next pitch, same spot, almost a little bit more. Joe, where's that at? He's like, what is this, 20 questions, son? Just catch the ball. <laughs> so, like, you get those moments, and so you become favorite, favorites um, and stuff, and you have interactions. And um, I think Joe's one. Um, I, I like a lot of the – Vic Carapazzi is my first guy. Huh. He ejected me in, in Boston, and um, – uh, he's one of my favorites. Um, Dustin Pedroia was a, was a teammate there, and he was like, you've never been tossed. You and Derek Jeter are the only two who's never been tossed out of a baseball game. I can't respect you until you get out of a, get tossed out of a baseball <laughs> game. So, like, the end of, uh, I think it was like, I think it was end of 14, I finally got my first ejection from Vic, and I was like, you know, it was on a check swing or something, and I just lost my stuff, and uh he's and Pedroia was always like you got to sign off you got to sign off when you get tossed because he learned it from Mikey Lowell so like I think I I, I told uh I told Vasquez uh the uh, Boston catcher now um I told Vasquez I said uh Vasquez you're in or something <laughs> as I walked up stupid but uh yeah just the stories that you've been able to to accumulate over the the baseball years that I've got to play. It was been fun. I love it. Um, all right. So the Cubs of 2022 made a little bit of progress in the standings. Um, you know, there's these rumors out there that we're making a play, not for just one of the big free agent shortstops, but maybe two of them and all that sort of stuff. Like we can only play one shortstop at a time. Right. I mean, and we got a shortstop. It's pretty and, good. Yeah, yeah. Nico's okay. Yeah, he plays all right. Good. Um, for Cubs fans that are listening, where are we on this, on this stuff? Yeah, we've met with a lot. I mean, we let a lot of players in general. I think, like, the pieces and, and how things are shaping out is all just, you know, what players are going to accept what. There's a lot of teams in on a lot of guys, and the market's been really good for players, which is great. Um, so, 
you put your best foot forward and continue to, you know, some stuff comes off the board. Trey Turner comes off the board. Jose Abreu comes off the board. Then you just kind of continue to move down the list or um, or kind of reshape your thoughts on different things and uh, see how things shape out. So um, we've talked to everybody. Um, we've made a lot of offers to different players, and, um, you know, that's the, stu- that's the job of the front office. I kind of don't get too deep into that, but mm-hmm. uh, those guys are working really hard. I see it That's daily. a good shift, man. What a push. Yeah, you don't yeah, get too deep. <laughs> hey, man, I fill out the manager cards for 13-year-old teams. What are you getting on me for? <laughs> right. Jeez, Rose. Well, no, it's like, I, I you know, there's, I, I don't think I want that, you know, I don't think I'd be a good negotiator. I'd give, I tell players all the time, I'd give you everything I had. <laughs> right. You know, like, I'd write, write a blank check, you know. It's like, there's a, there's a business side to that, that um, those guys are really smart at and, and went to school to, to budget all that. I'm, I'm the guy that, I have my baseball experience that I lean on and try to learn every day when I get to manage. So um, that's the that's the that's the cool part of my job. This stuff is uh, fun to watch and watch how they interact with different things. Meeting with players, I learn a lot. I've got to meet with a lot of these great players uh-huh. that are coming off. So um, having those meetings and talking baseball with those guys, they last two, three, four hours sometimes just sitting there talking baseball with you know other great baseball players. It's fun to pick their brain about how they go about their business and. I learned a lot about that. Yeah, you don't have to get too far into specifics, but is there one guy you sat down with and you were, you know, you don't know most of these guys, I assume, really well. Other no, than no. I but, think you run the same circles, right? Like when we met with um, Jose Abreu and you talk, you, you know, to him and, and listen to him, the, what his passions are and um, what he believes in and winning and, um, you know, where he comes from and his background and the story of him getting to the States and how everything goes down and, I don't know. He's just like, is there's a connection there? He's, he's really close with David Ortiz, and we you have a common figure to talk about, and, mm-hmm. and how he talks about hitting and different stuff. So, um, yeah, just those things are fun for me, man. Yeah. Just like, and the off season, I am. I'm dad, and I lock into that and check in the players from time to time, the coaching staff, and you, you've got staffing stuff that we do every once in a while. But you don't have real baseball conversations. I'm not in those, you know, daily. So getting back connected with guys that are passionate about their craft is fun. For people that don't know. And, and we're close to wrapping up here. I appreciate your time. Um, I could talk to you all day, but I know. this is good. I know. This is good. I'm, believe me, it's, bra- it's, it's pretty brainless. I'm not very <laughs> smart. You know that part. <laughs> People have no idea when you open your eyes for the day to start on, let's say you got a night game. You're immediately thinking about baseball from the minute you wake up? Uh, yeah, from the manager's seat. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's way different. For sure. For sure. I don't think as a player, you just kind of, you're locking in with, whatever you got in that morning, your family, whatever. Right now, it's like the manager see. There's a lot of nights that it's. A, I, I sleep pretty well. When I got this job, it was the first time I was like, wow, I woke up thinking about players or things we need to do or things I need to do better. Like uh, things that are on my brain. Guys that might be struggling, ways to help guys, tough conversations I might have to have that day. Um, so, yeah, I would I would say that. It's definitely on your plate. Um, you, your day revolves around how I'm going to come into the park and what the things I need to do and – you know, you try to make a little bit of time for yourself in the morning of just, you know, getting up, reading articles, catching up, uh, some homework on the team you might play that day if it's a new series or you went to bed the night before thinking about. And, um, you know, there's just a laundry list of things. You know, you got to talk to those trainers and the strength guys and the front. You know, when do you just, have time to yourself? 
Well, you see these love handles I'm rocking. There's not Please, a lot of time me? anymore. I'm the, to I'm get the, the U.S. representative in. for the Dad Bod Olympics, <laughs> right? Believe me, I've already right? got that one. I sealed. could get in on that, but yeah, you, I mean, you take time and moments, and I, I think I value my quiet time now. I value I value my downtime, off days, golfing with the coaching staff, mm. going to dinners, turning off. Um, you know, just some nights I just you know a day game, and we're on the road. I'll just sit in my hotel room, rent a movie, and you know, crack chill. a bottle of wine, chill. Yeah, it's just, you know, relaxing. Who's the golfing champion on the coaching staff? Our, my bench coach, Andy Green's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, Jonathan Moda, our bullpen catcher, he's also our infield guy, um, is really good. Um, our bullpen coach. Who's yeah, the best shit talker? It's all the – it's all uh, – Greeny, Andy. Yeah, my Andy. Andy's a big – he's he just every, – everybody wants Greeny. They don't care who wins as long as Greeny loses, and he wins a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's one of those. Yeah, he uh, he's great, man. He, he's, he knows how to push everybody's buttons in those in those areas, and, um, you know, it's, it's fun. Uh, I'll leave you with this. I, I know you were a two-timer in the uh, SEC. I don't want to make that sound like a bad term, but you started at Auburn and you finished at Florida. Yeah, yeah. But you're from Tallahassee, right? Yes, sir. And you hit a three-run walk-off. You did a, your homework, huh? Right. Am I right against Florida State? Against Florida State at, from Auburn. So how's that go over in your hometown? Yeah, I still – people people still – you know, they don't remember anything else about my baseball career in that town, and I've done a lot since then. But they're like, I remember when you beat us, and uh, what was that, 98, 97? 97. 97. Uh, Intel has, it was so nervous. Uh, I remember being in the box. The catcher is now, the catch, the other catcher on that team is now the head coach at Sanford University um, in Alabama, and he had broke his hand, and so I was like the backup in that spot and got thrown into it, and the next thing I know, I'm in that, that game, and you know, I remember a fouled off a three-two pitch or a two-two pitch that um, the fans thought was strike three. They started to come on the field, and the next one I hit out. It was just crazy, crazy. But that was like a very, um, very big moment in my trajectory of like giving me confidence to succeed. I ended up transferring to Florida, doing really well. We went back to the College World Series that next year with a different team, and uh, I. I kid all the time i'm like such a bandwagon guy because i've got three universities i grew up in tallahassee Ruby Park State. i still have season tickets to football and basketball yeah yeah my my mom was the um was, was head of ticket sales when i was in high school at fsu and my my aunt was the athletic director secretary for 55 years so uh, i've got i go all the basketball games i'm kind of i never went there but i've got all the circles so did you go to the game the year that uh who was it peter warwick and that team crushed it all yeah yeah well they i grew up uh, my high school was on the campus of Florida State, so I was like right a stone's throw away. Huh. And my dad, um, my dad owned a meat company and sold all the hamburgers and hot dogs to the stadiums. And I sold cokes in the baseball stadium, walked up and down. Oh, nice, so, yeah. So that's how I made a little bit. I got like ten cents per coke or something. Man, yeah, I was, I was rolling in it. Back you were then. killing it. Um, but yeah, I grew up. You know, it was funny like watching the Dion stuff transpire. I grew up a huge Dion Sanders. Warwick Dunn, Derek Brooks. Good stuff. Yeah. Casey I mean, Weldon. Casey Weldon. Me and Charlie Ward go to church together in oh. my hometown. Yeah, he's now the actually high school basketball coach. They won state last year in my, in my, at my high school. So um, small town, love Tallahassee, and I grew up in that era of just like when Florida State was – Florida State, Miami, Nebraska was really good back then, Michigan. Um, you know, I, I watch all this stuff kind of transpire, and I, I just a big – I'm not a big NFL guy. I don't know if like well, – uh, you know, Yeah, you're a college, college guy. Yeah, so yeah. – 
Um, but I love college football. I love the SEC, the ACC, all that stuff. I, the, when I was coming up, FSU was in the Metro Conference back in the day. So, like, super, I'm aging the myself. Metro right now. Conference. How about that? Yeah. Good so, one. Yeah. Throwbacks. That's good. Yeah. Dion with the number two and the offensive lineman shoulder pads. Yep. And then, you know, if you're a Bobby Bowden guy, you have to have every speech have daggummit well he like one of the highlights of my life like running into him on the golf course mm. and talk to him for like 30 minutes oh, one day one. just like yeah it's just he's he's he is like that figure man he, he was he was special that's the the they have the new brand is like they have fsu stuff and they have bobby bowden stuff and Ooh. this little little hat, little hat, hat. yeah you seen yeah. it so that's the shirt i wear to all the games <laughs> when i go just big bobby bowden fan he's a good human being and did a lot for that town and and kind of put him on the map so uh yeah the Watching Dion, I wore. We had uh, I had a football jersey day for the team, and Dion was the one I was rocking. I'll probably try to Charlie Ward and him were probably my two favorites. That's so, good stuff. Yeah, it was, it was phenomenal, man. I'll leave you with this, uh, and I've only offered this to one other person. This is uh, this is John Elway, who's pretty pretty decent athlete back in his day. I told him when he came on the best damn sports show period, I said, if you would like to apologize to me as a Cleveland Browns fan, go for it. Because I was there at the drive January 11th, 1987, when he drive, you know, drove 98 yards, et cetera. I've obviously moved on. I will offer you the same um, if you want to there's, take back that game no, seven homer. There's no apology. What are you talking about? No chance. No chance. I was like a backup catcher. But you had, a, you had another ring. Yeah, but I didn't have a homer in the game. You know that was that's a that's You're a cool thing, man. Well, like, listen, I'm trying to win another one. You know, like I'm good trying to do that. I'm yeah, for you. I want Great. another one. Yeah, go get one. <laughs> if I if I could have that 2016 bag, you can go I win as many three. as you want. I want three. I wanted to match the number on my jersey, and then we'll go for four. No, it's like that was a that was. A, I know you. I know you're passionate about Cleveland, and um, you know. I, the throw is popping in my head right now, but that was a that was a really good series, and that was that's what I know. We came out ahead, and I had a lot of like me and Napoli, obviously teammates in right. thirteen. Now he's on my coaching staff, so um, him and, and Carter Hawkins was there. Hmm. Um, he's our our GM. GM so yeah. like, yeah, anytime we start talking, we, we're not allowed to talk about sixteen. No, you're not. They're in the room anymore. So no. like, in fact, we watched Game Seven in the Napoli family suite. Oh, really? Yeah, there yeah. were so many people in our MLB suite. You know, it's Eddie Vedder, yeah. uh, John Cusack. I mean, there was way too many Cubs fans in there for me. And so the Napolis were nice enough to invite our family, me and my wife and my two boys, over to watch Game 7 in there. And when it was 6-1, to one, my youngest son, who was 11 at the time, is crying his eyes out. He's like, Dad, this sucks. I, don't, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. Then <laughs> freaking Rache hits the homer, and we're all going nuts. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. And that's when I was crying. And so when I yes. can't watch it, I can't watch it because I was catching. I was yeah. like, there's going to be the, the David Ross curse. There was all those other curses. <laughs> I was like, that was the wrong finger to put down. You know? Well, yeah, but he fouled off 87 pitches. Oh, my God. He was choked up. I remember yes. he was like, if we can just get him to pop one up. He's choked up this far. Just dropped the head on that heater in crazy yeah. Yeah. all right well I, I don't get stunned much but i was definitely in shock after that home run <laughs> place was so loud i know it was, was amazing it was, was amazing it was, it, was, it was electric man it was a, a really good series I and mean, we had kipness a couple years later and um uh, mike napoli's mom donna rose we still talk about that they're, they're great family good so, people yeah really really nice people he's, he was raised right like way. yeah most polite people like he's got a ton of brothers so there was yeah. like a new one coming in every 90 seconds <laughs> into the uh into the suite and they'd all do the same thing they walk over to you 
so-and-so Napoli, pleasure to meet you. Next one, come in, so-and-so Napoli, nice. I'm like, holy smokes. Like, I'm looking at my boys. I was like, are you seeing this shit? Like, pay attention. This no is wonder you- he had to get a suite just yeah, to get right. all his yeah. tickets in there. Just he was, was playing for free. That's right, exactly. Uh, a lot Ross, of us were. It's great to see you, man. I appreciate your time, and we wish you the best of luck in 2023. Go be a great daddy that you are in the offseason. Good to talk to you, man. It's always a pleasure, and I'm, I'm glad you're sticking around here talking baseball with everybody. Absolutely. Appreciate you. Good to see you, Chris. More of the Rose Rotation is coming your way, but today's episode presented to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. It is the best app to put your butts in the seats at a great sporting event or a concert that you want to go to this holiday season or well into 2023. A few special instructions you need to follow, but these are going to help you. So don't be like, oh my God, Rose is telling me what to do. I'm doing this to help you people. Take your phone, go to the app store, download the SeatGeek app, and off you go. In fact, I want to save you money as well. You can get 20 bucks off your tickets at SeatGeek with the promo code ROSE. So there, if you want to go buy your uh, baseball tickets for next year, let's remember there's a brand new schedule. So you might be seeing stars have you know coming to your town that have never been to your city before. So go get your tickets now. Uh, of course, the NFL season's in full swing. College bowl season is here. College hoops, NBA, NHL, concerts going 365 days a year. So here's the deal. You punch that in. You find out what event you want to go to. SeatGeek doesn't just tell you, here, grab this ticket. They actually rate it on a scale of 0 to 10 to make sure you're getting the best deal possible. They color code it as well. So green, thumbs up. Red, thumbs down. You're not getting the best deal possible. I told you, I recently used this when the Cavs came out to take on the Clippers in Los Angeles. I purchased four great seats for my entire family here on the SeatGeek app. We got to the game. My oldest son, Josh, he said, dude, what'd you pay for these? I told him, he's like, really? For these seats? I was like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. My friends at SeatGeek hooked me up and I used the promo code ROSE. I got to use my own freaking name. So I got great seats and a great deal. You're going to get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek order. Go do it today, just in time for the holiday season. All right, Bob Melvin, welcome to the Chris Rose Rotation here on John Boy Media. So I'm curious, uh, what do you do in the offseason? What's, what's your hobby? What's your thing? You know, my thing, I live in Arizona, so uh, I do a little mountain biking. I do a little hiking, a lot of hiking, and I play some golf. And that, uh, you know, is easy to do in Arizona. It's plentiful. All right, so the, the hiking you're taking me on a hike in Arizona. Where are we going? Are we doing the touristy thing? No, no, no. I, I, I go to Sedona. For oh, wow. Hikes. Yeah, and, and I start out on a trail, and I end up on deer trails. So I like to climb a little bit more than I, I like to hike. Brian Price is a close friend of mine. We sure. go up there, and, and, and we, we find some stuff uh, really almost weekly. Um, and that's kind of one of my favorite things to do. But very rarely are we on the... The public trail, so to speak. Do you get to do anything like that during a baseball season, or is it such a daily grind where you're like, oh, my God, I wake up, and the first thing I'm thinking about is putting together my lineup? The latter, for sure. (laughs) You know, I'm a golfer, too. I don't play golf during the season. Not once? You just don't have time for it. I mean, you're at the ballpark, you know, 7 o'clock game, you're at the ballpark at 11, 11 which means you'd have to be up at 6 o'clock and playing golf by 7, and it just feels like it's too much, so – I, I saved my golfing for the offseason. So when was the first time you thought about, like, yeah, that looks like a cool job to have, manager of a baseball team? You know, I didn't really think too much about that. Uh, Phil Garner was the first guy, and I was his bench coach in 99 uh, in, in 2000. And, 
you know, he always kind of told me, look, this is something you're going to do. The first time it was ever, I was ever approached by it was I asked Johnny Oates a question in, in uh, Baltimore when I was a player, I think it was in 89, or no, excuse me, like 91 or something like that. And he, he, and he said, you know what, I'm going to tell you the same thing Walter Alston told me. He said, I, I th- you watch the game like a manager. And, and, and it would, a lot of it was to the way Johnny made me watch the game, being a manager and a catcher. But he said, I'm going to tell you the same thing he told me. He goes, I think you have a future in doing something like that. And it absolutely shocked me. And I did not give it one more thought until, I don't know, years and years later when, when I was bench coaching for Phil, Phil Garner. So was there a guy that you paid attention from that point forward where you're like, yeah, I got to pick from him, I got to pick from him, and become, the, you know, the manager that I am today? Well, I think all, all the experiences that I had with all my managers, you know, whether it was Frank Robinson, whether it was Sparky Anderson, who was my first manager, uh-huh. um, talk about a, an icon and a guy that, that, you know, back in those days, rookies didn't say a whole lot, and I don't, I looked at Sparky Anderson, and I was on the same team as him, and I was, he was like a cartoon character, you know, he's like this fictional uh, figure that you don't even approach. So, but I, I did watch these guys, and I and I do watch. I did watch the game. I think is is a player a little bit differently, maybe than most, because of the the position that I played. But uh, you take little little bits and pieces from every every manager, and and you know a lot of the players, guys like Mike Flanagan, who would always talk the game with me in the bullpen in Baltimore, and you just try to take bits and pieces from everybody. Um, so yeah, you were you were drafted by the Tigers. In the secondary draft in 1981, now that there's a whole generation of baseball fans listening to us who are like, what the hell is a secondary draft? What there's is- probably about five generations that are out there. <laughs> what is a secondary? Secondary was a winter phase. So back then, and I'm not going to state the year. We don't want to date ourselves here. But not at all. You could go to a major college like I did. I went to the University of California, and then you could leave. You either – you could – enroll in a JC and then be eligible for what was a winter phase draft. I think there was another year or two of that. And then that went by the wayside. So you get, um, you know, these days the drafts on MLB network, um, it wasn't quite that way when you were getting drafted second overall in the secondary draft. No. And even when I was in high school, so I got drafted in the third round in high school uh, by the Orioles. And I really did not even realize I was going to get drafted probably until like two or three weeks before the draft. And and this is my senior year in high school. I asked my high school coach one time, I go, who are these guys? There were more and more, you know, scouts coming to games. And I'm going, who are these guys? He goes, those are, those are major league scouts. Those are big league scouts that are, are watching the best personnel. I go, who are they here watching? He goes, you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and honest to God, it, 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 you know, nowadays, these kids in eighth, seventh and eighth grade before they're going to high school, they're, yeah. they're aware of all these things and the spotlight on these guys and so forth. It was not that, that, that uh, you know, it, back then, I, it just it wasn't something I thought a whole, a whole lot about until a couple of weeks before the draft when, when, you know, a lot of scouts are talking to me and my coach said, you know what, you, you might go pretty high in the draft. So. Do you get a call when you end up going second? What happens? Do they send a smoke signal? Do they send a telegram? What was it? No, I read it in the paper. Oh, and, yes. Uh, yeah. And then uh, newspaper, one of those things that you yeah, the, deliver your sure, door and all that. Sure, used to open it Correct. up. Right, okay. Actually, I still do sometimes. But and, and then all of a sudden you get a call from the organization and a scout comes to your 
uh, to your door and comes in and has a contract in his hand and talks to your family and my family told him no. <laughs> so then I, you know, I, in my high school year, uh, senior year, and then it went to Cal and then I ended up, uh, you know, leaving and going to getting drafted in the secondary phase. So when they tell him no, are you like, uh, hold on, I'm like, th- exactly no, this sounds like that. Okay. Exactly is that, is like that what that. it went? Yeah. You mean I get to go play baseball and they're going to pay me and you're saying no. <laughs> yeah. That was the conversation. Was it a one-way conversation? Very one-way. <laughs> okay. But it was the right thing to do. I wasn't ready. At 17, and I was going to go to the Appalachian League in Bluefield somewhere, and uh, my parents and my grandparent, my grandfather was important in my life, looked at me and goes, not going to happen now. Cal's giving you a scholarship. You're going to go there. Got it. Well, it ended up working out. Um, so you get drafted by the Tigers. You come up in 1985, I believe, and so – these are the defending World Series champions. Tell me about you, it. You've got Kirk Gibson. You mentioned Sparky Anderson as the manager. You've got Jack Morris. You've got Lance Parrish. You I, got Lou Ridicker. You got Chet right. Lemon. You got Alan Larry Trammell. Herndon. You got Alan Trammell. You got Lance Parrish behind the plate. You got Daryl Evans. You got. I mean, I I walked into that clubhouse and I was awestruck. Now, I was you know I was catching bullpens and I was playing a little bit in spring training games, especially that year in '85. But you know back then. It was an out-of-body experience when you went to the big leagues. You know, you, it was just something that you hope's going to happen. Um, but I don't know that I had the type of confidence back then that some of these younger players do now when they get to into pro ball and to the, they expect to get to the big leagues. I was just, like, happy to be there. Was there one moment that you can remember from those first few days or weeks where you're like, holy shit, I cannot believe this is happening. Reggie Jackson was hitting, and I felt like asking for his autograph because <laughs> I grew up in the Bay Area and watched the sure. Oakland teams, and, and he's at home plate and I'm catching, and it was just such a surreal experience. But, you know, really from the first day that I, I got to play, you know, I, I went to Seattle, and I was catching Walt Terrell, who was pitching that night, and I go into Sparky's office for the, the pitcher-catcher meeting, and my I, absolute idol was Johnny Bench. And so I go in there, and back then CBS Radio was doing the game that day, and Johnny Bench was doing the game, oh, and he yes. was sitting in Sparky Anderson's office. And I remember them going over the scouting report, and I did not retain anything. I was just <laughs> looking at Johnny Bench. <laughs> and, and after it was all over, Johnny goes, make sure you go down there and warm the pitcher up you know, for the game so you get to know him. I said, absolutely, sir. <laughs> and so there, there were a lot of those type of moments in my first year in the big leagues. That's pretty cool. I love it. These days, uh, you're leading a great young team, the San Diego Padres. You guys made it all the way to game five of the NLCS. I am curious because, you know, afterward you had to come out and defend your decision to not put Josh Hader in the game. And it made sense. A lot of people understood it, but still it's something you have to live with. Do you regret it at all now? We're two months past this thing. Do you wake up and you say, God, did I make the right move? Did I not? How do you deal with that as a manager? Well, now I get to go on the results. So I would have had you pitch at that point in time. Not, right? a, not a great move. So, but, but no, I, we knew going into that game and going into that inning how we had it set up to play. And, and Josh was going to come in for four like he did in the last game uh, in L.A. before we went home. Uh, and clinched against the Dodgers. And Robert Suarez has been absolutely fantastic for us, and that's where it was going to play out. And when it doesn't work, obviously you have to answer questions about it, but that's the way we were going to play it. And everybody, you know, from myself, the pitching coach, to the to the guys in the bullpen knew how that thing was going to play out. Well, so when you're – we talk a lot about successes and failures on this show and how you deal with it. So when things don't work out the way that you had hoped – as a manager, when you're only judged on wins and losses and results like that and not necessarily the process, how do you 
How do you deal with that? How do you internalize it? I, I don't worry too much about how it's looked from afar. I worry about how, you know, our guys feel and, and it, that it didn't work out. And I'm very accountable. And any, everything that goes wrong on the baseball field, you know, I feel in my stomach. I mean, these I'm managing these guys. Whether if it's a guy that doesn't run hard, run hard down to first base, I feel it. So everything you feel accountable for. And when you're when you're that close to potentially going to the World Series, it, it feels terrible. And and it takes a while to get over. Um, but you have to move on. And you, you know, you realize that the the process that you had, you have to be consistent with. Awesome. Okay. Um, you your team made some news. Uh, you guys were after Trey Turner. I don't think there was. Any big surprise about that? That it came out and that offered him a substantial amount of money. Ended up signing with the Phillies. So if that was going to happen, everybody goes, "Well, you have a pretty good shortstop that's going to come back off of his suspension. How is that going to work out?" Well, we got a couple good ones actually. Right, you sure do. And Kim's Kim great, fantastic last year too. So I think it was more about just trying to to you know increase the talent that you have, and you're talking about a premier player. So. You know, you just you, you, you get the guys that you have and then you try to work it out the best you can. And there, we have some versatile guys. You know, Fernando can be versatile. And actually, Trey was, could be a versatile player, too. So you're just trying to get the best actual players you have and then you deal with that later. So with Tatis, have you talked to him at all lately? Uh, you know what I do? I, send, I leave my guys alone usually till about the 1st of January uh, after a season. But I send him my hiking videos because he likes huh. to hike. And he's, you know, so I'll send him stuff like that. But my conversations with him before he was about to potentially return during the season, he, he made it easy on me. He said, look, I, obviously I want to play shortstop, and I am a shortstop, but whatever I can do to help the team win, that's, that's what I'm ready to do. It was an uncomfortable situation when he got suspended. I think we were all, as baseball fans, I mean, he is a top three watch just in terms of excitement and what he brings to the team. When you heard, like, we're not going to have him, did you almost like double over? Didn't double over, but I felt it in a lot of different places. Right, I, one including my stomach. But and, and I, you know, I felt bad for him too at the time. You know, it's it's he's going to have to deal with that and had to. That's a difficult situation. I've had players before that had to go through the same thing: Ramon Laureano and Bartolo Colon. And so it, it's an uncomfortable situation. But uh, but hopefully, you know, and I think he will. He'll learn from it and he'll be better for it. But it, it it's hard to go through because you have to come in and talk to your teammates and explain stuff to them. And you know, as, as tough as it is to to deal with you know, whatever social media and so forth and what everybody thinks about you. I think the hardest conversations are with your teammates. And so how do you handle that? Do you, do you act as an intermediary? Do you bring him in and say, Hey, listen, what do you plan on doing? Or do you just let grown men be grown men and deal with it? Well, he, he wanted to come talk to the guys. So, you know, I was probably going to suggest it, but he, he came to me before and said, I want to talk to these guys here at some point. And, you know, Go ahead and have at it. I wasn't even in there for it. I let it just be a, a player's type thing. So, again, he made it easy on me where I didn't have to go to him and say, hey, look, I, th I think you need to do this. What is the biggest difference in the job from day one when you started to we're approaching the 2023 season? We'd be here for a while. So, <laughs> I mean, just dealing with, you know, from above, I mean, it, you, you – when I first started, it was Pat Gillick, and he put the team together, and he said, what do you like? What don't you like? Go get them. And now there's a little bit more that goes on during the course of the day, whether it's lineups, whether it's player composition, whether it's, you know, 
a lot of things. So dealing with players are a lot different now. You know, back then, it's just this is what you're going to do. Now there seems like there's a little bit more of an explanation and agents get involved and all sorts of things. So it's, it's, it's completely different. And, and obviously you have to make some adjustments because if you don't, uh, I probably still wouldn't be sitting here. Um, who is, you've been doing these meetings for, for quite a while now. Who is the best manager to sit down, have a beer with, and listen to their story time? Well, I, you know, the three that come to mind for me because I've been around them a long time and managed against them a long time would be Terry Francona, Bruce Bochy, and Dusty Baker. Have some pretty good stories. I mean, Dusty can keep you there forever and laughing and smiling and crying and your mouth's open and closed. And, and I, you know, I knew Dusty as a player. His first year coaching, I was with the Giants, and he, it was his first year coaching. So um, we, we have quite the long history. And then Boach and I obviously managed against each other in the Bay and, and Tito, actually we played college ball against each other. I was Cal and he was at Arizona. Right. We had in 1980, we we're in the world series and semifinal game against each other. So all of us have quite a few stories and are very comfortable around each other. And, and, uh, you know, those are, those are icons of the game. By the way, Tito plays that whole, you know, I wasn't a very good player. He yeah. was the golden spikes award winner right. that year in 1980. Don't let a joke. That guy, he could rake back in the we day we were ahead eight to two whoever won our game everybody thought Hawaii we're playing Hawaii the next day for the championship whoever won our game between Arizona and Cal was probably going to win that next game and Arizona did and we were ahead I think it was eight to two and the bases loaded two out and I think it was like the sixth and he bloops one over the third baseman's head and clears the bases and floodgates open they end up beating us by a run but yeah he'll he'll play coy as far as how good he was he was really good i gotta tell you and i know a lot of our viewers and our listeners have heard me do the bochi but i gotta give you my bochi impression you ready here we go well uh i'm excited to be uh here in texas uh we're in texas right uh, we, uh pablo's gonna play third and uh he don't play for us all right uh we'll put uh seager he he's good he's a good player what do you think? You've Scale of one to ten. One. You've worked on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's out. That's about as good as I've heard. To tell you the truth, have you done that in front of him? So I did it one time. I covered uh, Giant Spring Training a few years ago, and we did it. We did a little skit at the beginning of the show. We were doing like the thirty for thirty uh, back when I used to work at MLB Network. That's another story. <laughs> and uh, and he drops in in between us and he interrupts it. He puts his big old mitts on my shoulder. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And I was like, oh, "You know, you have to do it in front of him." That's tough. Like, it's one thing to do it here in front of when he's not here. When you do the voice in front of him, he said, well, it's, that's, the, that's the best one I heard. I, I'm right there with you. And, and I guess it would get your attention if you're doing that and you tur- turn around and look and, and there's Bruce Bochy behind you. But yeah. if you know him, you know he's going he's gonna to be all in on it. And, and uh, I'm sure he was. He, is, he has the biggest head of anybody. We know that. Does he know that or not? Yeah, I think he's been told. I think when when he was when he was playing, they had. To, he, I think he traveled with a helmet. He did. So, um, yeah, I think he's very aware of that. Did you ever bring that up when he was like at the dish, and you were like, "God, Poach, that thing is just enormous. You look like a float in the Macy's parade." You know what? He and I were backups, so I don't think there were too many games where we were both playing at the same time. So it probably didn't happen during a game, but I, I don't I don't recall ever bringing that up. I still have that one in my pocket if I need. That's it. right. So you always need an extra club in your bag. Thanks for hanging out with us. Enjoy the rest of your offseason, your your hikes. Uh, tell Pricey we say hi, too. Right, I'll do that. That was awesome. And good luck in 2023. Appreciate it. Good seeing you. Thanks and I'll dress up for you next time. You or it. I can get you a baseball no, I, today I shirt. I like that. Yeah? I like that, yeah. Okay. It, it's always be who you are. That's the key. That's what you got to do. And if you're a slob, be proud of that.
Hey, hey, everybody. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings' same stepped-up same-game parlays. Let me repeat that. 100% boost with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. You don't want to miss out on this. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. And the more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger the boost, the bigger the shots you have to win. It's that simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ROSE and place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code ROSE. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now back to the show. Craig Council, the Milwaukee Brewers. Shame on you. Where is your Euchre t-shirt? Well, it, did, it took a lot of heat yesterday, so I had to... Uh, what does that mean? Well, I mean, it, no, I mean, it took a lot of heat from me yesterday. Oh, you from know heat. I mean? Oh, so you, <laughs> you couldn't have done the thing that we used to do in college where you just air it out, just put it over the uh, the shower pole, and you're no, good? No, I'm not good with that Come anymore. Come on, man. I'm getting old. No, no, we're both in our 50s. This is how we... Right? You're 50, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I am. 52, yeah. Oh, 52. You got me beat? Yeah, I do. By one year. All right. Probably half. Yeah, you feel good about yourself today. Not really. No? No, I feel like crap every day, especially <laughs> after another back surgery. Oh. See, you skinny guys, you have no problem with this. You know, those of us that are tractor trailing like an extra 35, it's just horrible. Uh, you look the same as when you played. I'd like to refer myself to as a skinny fat guy. That's kind of what I... <laughs> nice. Are you, I think the last time we chatted, you were telling me that in the off season you were coaching your daughter's uh, basketball team. Yeah, eight, yeah, she's in eighth grade now, so um, actually excited to get back. We had a practice Thursday in a big tournament. This two big tournaments next two weekends, so excited to get so back. So they brought to you that. back for another year. I got an extension. Yeah, I, uh, I got a little extension, um, but uh, we, we've we've I we've scheduled some difficult teams this year, so I'm not <laughs> sure it's gonna. I'm not sure how long it's gonna last. <laughs> what are we doing? Like, what's our what's our offense? What are we running these days? Every shooting we got threes? a little. We got a little. Uh, we like to do with some of the stuff Gonzaga does. It's like called pick and roll continuity. Uh, so it's, it, they're pretty good at it, and um, do a little horns action, some pistol action. So it's it's fun stuff. Girls are girls are. I love coaching basketball. It's it's a ton of fun, and. Um, you know, it's a great time to spend away, spend with your kids when you know we we will work. We're, everybody works really hard, so it's 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 fun and it's a blast. And I'm 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 sad. I'm sad. I'm probably gonna get fired at the end of the year. To be honest with you, <laughs> I know we're joking, but it sounds like you're really taking this shit seriously. I I love it. I really do. It's, do we have it, championships? I mean, you know the way basketball works now. It's just you go, you know, club tournaments sports. And you play stuff, tournaments right. and stuff. So we do, but it's just a weekend tournament. And but they're fun and. Um, like I said, it's it's a great way to spend time with your kids. Do you show up in full uni, like uh, Brewers Uni? No, I have a hard I have a hard time doing. I have a hard time. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> no, no Brewer Uni. That would be very bad. Where's your college football team playing the Gator Bowl? Is that what we're doing? What are we doing? Where I, are we? I like to I like to claim the schools that my sons are attending because because. One of them is doing far better, and that's Michigan. So oh, I, wow. I claim different schools. You now. can't. When you went to Notre Dame, you cannot claim Michigan. But if, but I have a son that's going to go to the school there, so I feel like now I'm paying tuition, so I can 
kind of claim Believe it. me, I, no? I, I was no? an out-of-state Michigan student for a little while, too. I know that that's a big bill, brother. <laughs> that thing shows up. You're like, holy smokes. You go up into the uh, owner's suite, and you're like, you know what? I got a kid at Michigan now, out of state, out of state. The, did you have you, have you been to a game at the Big House ever? I did. I went to I went to the Michigan State game, the okay. night game. Oh, geez. Um, I it, well, I tell you what, it was a thrill walking into that stadium for the first crazy. time. Crazy, and it it was amazing, and it was it was it gives you chills walking into 110,000 people. Yeah, so I did. I I went there for one year, but I started in the summer before. So this is what they do with all the dumb borderline kids that they want to bring in there. I heard about this program actually. Yeah. Yeah, I heard about this. Okay, so I did this and I we broke into the stadium one day during the summer when they weren't doing anything in there and we threw the remember the aerobi that they used to have though it was the frisbee that was a hole in the middle yeah, yeah. so you could throw it like 100 yards <laughs> yeah. and you're playing on the turf and I was like god this is it was like the highlight of my athletic uh, college career right there was playing aerobi at the aerobi at, the big, at the big house yeah why not why not what else do we do in the off season cuz you got four kids right yeah yeah i mean so that's that's uh and it, it's you know luck, lucky to be there and uh, watch them get older and um watch them grow up and it's been fun. Um, you know, I have a son who's a senior. That son I was talking about is a senior, and so he's he's a baseball player, and so kind of getting to spend time doing some baseball stuff with him. Um, you know, as before he goes off to school has has uh, has been a lot of fun. And you know, when your kids are getting older, that's as as they kind of leave the house, it's it's something that you treasure really. So, is your daughter the last one? Yeah, my daughter. Yeah, the eighth grader's the last one. Yeah, you better keep coaching. Through your, I don't care. I mean, it's high school. I'm, you got to hand her off. You got really. You got to step gotta out. Hand, you got to hand them off when they get to high school for sure. Yeah. Really? Yeah. How were you as a hooper? I was. Uh, I was fair. I'm just at the at best. You were fair. the kid that slapped the floor on defense. Yeah. Like Coach K would have loved you. <laughs> right? No, I can see man. it now. That's that's what I, I was. I was giving somebody some grief because they in in baseball somebody. They today called me a good little player. And I said, once you say little, once you attach that adjective, that means you really weren't that good. You know what I mean? Oh, that means you gosh. really didn't think you I was any good. Uh-huh. You know? Uh, let's talk a little bit about your team. You guys made a trade. Uh, you're bringing in uh, Jesse Winker, who's coming off a down year, a little bit of an injury-plagued season. Um, if you can get him back to what he was the season before when he was an all-star starter, what sort of difference does it make? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the you know that's the reason why the Brewers make the trade is that uh, we we think this is a big bat and a legitimate bat and and frankly something that uh, we've been lacking in our lineup for a couple of years um, and and offense like that is it's just hard to it's really hard to find and, and hard for kind of our market to find so that's that's the what we think we got in Jesse Winker is a is a legitimate bat um that can be really dangerous uh, you know in uh in the middle of your lineup um you can say Chris you're full of shit with this one I, the perspective the perspective was after the hater deal based on some comments like Devin Williams came out and said I want to win all that sort of stuff yeah it felt like the clubhouse never recovered from that being away from it for 6 weeks or so yeah. Am I wrong or am I right? Well, I, I think, look, the, the reactions initially out of the clubhouse were perfectly normal. Like, we just we traded a player who was a huge part of our success for the last five years, was a great friend to all of us. You know, five years in one place in baseball is a, is a really long time. And, and, and so, you, you, you know, and, and to contribute what he did, um, it, it was going to be a tough day for sure. Um, you know, and I think, and we talked about it, you know, immediately after the trade and, and or a couple of days after the trade. And um, so it, 
that that part was real for sure, the initial reaction. Um, but then we also talked about at some point we've got to be good enough to 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 move on. And I mean that's that's your job as a as a professional baseball player, major league baseball player. And we didn't do we didn't we we just didn't play well. Um, you know, does does that time coincide with the trade? Yeah, it does. But we didn't play well enough for the last. Um, you know, Frank, last two months of the season. And there's no excuses there. And there's a lot of reasons there. And um, they, they don't – they're not just around the, – they're not around the trade. We just, we just didn't play well enough. When was the first time you thought about being a big league manager? Was it sometime during your career where you – you know, I mean, you played a long time for a lot of different skippers. Was there a time where you went, oh, shit, this is something I could do? Yeah, I mean, I think I, – I, you know, when you're done playing, you're kind of like taking a deep breath and almost, I wanted to step away from the uniform part of the game and try to try to get my own schedule. I didn't do a very good job of that, actually, because <laughs> I jumped back into a job in the front office that required right. a lot of work. But um, I think, frankly, when I was in the front office, I very much missed the adrenaline of winning and losing and kind of the emotion of the game. And that's what, like, really – kind of drove me to want to do this. I, I don't know if I had plans to do it initially. I, I really didn't. Retiring, I didn't. I thought, yeah, maybe it's a possibility, but I didn't really want to do it. And then I, I just realized how much I missed the, you know, the going together with a group of guys and, and trying to accomplish something. Um, and then the adrenaline that goes along daily with winning and losing um, and competition, I, I missed it. And so that kind of that kind of drove me back into it as much as anything. See, I've had, I've asked a lot of managers that question. At some point, they say maybe it was a a manager at the time, or a coach, or even a player who said, "Man, you can do this." There wasn't a time where somebody said that. No, I mean maybe maybe I always thought I could do it. Frankly, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to. You know, that's just how I felt. Um, I think it is a huge life commitment to be a major league manager, you know, and I, and I think when you you played in the big leagues for a while and you, you got decisions to make around your, around your life that, um, you know, you got to decide, do you want to, do you want to jump in? Um, I'm glad I did. And, uh, it, it's been a fun, it's been a fun ride. It's been a crazy ride. It's been a difficult ride, but it's, but it's, uh, there are that, that joy from the job and the thrill of the win and losing with your guys is, is still tough. You can't get that anywhere else. Are you proud of the fact that I believe that you are tied? Oh God, who is it now? I did my research and I forgot. With somebody in the National League for longest tenured manager in the NL? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been longer. You know, when you say this is, this is season number nine coming up, that, that Jeez. that's that's hard for me to believe. Uh, you you kind of think, where did the years go? And and then you forget a player that played for you, which I did the other day. <laughs> no, you didn't. I, 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 we got a one of our coaches. I forgot uh, my Quentin Barry, who coaches first base yeah. for us. I had the worst moment with Quentin Barry earlier this season, and Quentin's been with with us for with me for two years now. And I forgot that he played for me. Now that was that's bad. I mean, that's terrible. Right? Really? Yeah, that's impressive. I, I made me lose my job for that. That is a senior moment. That is a senior moment. Congratulations, that is a dude. senior moment. Do you have to tell your doctor? That happens when, when you're 52, not 51. So you are you some- kidding me? <laughs> I mean, I've only got two kids, and I mess those names up all the time. I mean, but I forgot one of our coaches played for me. That's bad. He's going to hold that over your head for a while. Yeah, he he is. There's no question about it. Yeah. Um, finally, with the uh, with the Brewers, I said going into this year that you guys had made so much progress. It was the first time that you had even gone back-to-back years in making the playoffs, right? And then you go on that four-year run where you make it. And I was like, boy, but they're no longer the cute little story. Like, how do they get to that next level? 
How is it that you guys do that? Because Milwaukee's a great town, but at some point they're going to say, hey, okay, we've seen that trick. Now show us something new. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and so I, I always take that as like that's that's a success right there because that means we really raised the expectations. And, and you're saying, all right, get into the playoffs is not enough, Milwaukee. you got to do better. Mm-hmm. That's the whole goal when you start this thing, right, is, is to get to that place. Um. You know the playoffs are are a tricky thing. It's like, can you can you build a team that's like good for the playoffs? Um, does that hurt you? Does that matter how you build the team in the regular season? So I I think that's it's a it's a fair question. And um and and the other thing is like, look, some we're a little confusing at times. I understand that, uh, like the way we do things, <laughs> you know. And and I and I get it. Um, but that's we play in a market that has that's that's how we have to operate yeah. and i and i think you can we can debate that and whether we should do that or not but that's that's how we're operating and, and need to operate um and so when we are confusing um i i think we've proven that still pretty put some pretty darn good teams on the field um we do need to get to that we do need to get to the next place mm-hmm. I, i'm with you there um but i think the way to do that is keep giving yourself shots at this thing do you ever go to packers games i have not been to a packers game in, in, in a number of years no bucks bucks absolutely yeah do you have a Giannis jersey i do not have a Giannis jersey you should no. get one he's i hear he's good he's a good player i mean he's up and comer yeah, I, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be solid. He's 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 awesome. I he, saw him take incredible. BP. Don't don't put him in the lineup. He's incredible. His 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 arms resemble yours. Well, why do you think I'm hiding him today? Yeah, yeah. Good seeing you. Good to see you. Happy holidays too. I appreciate that. I and appreciate hey, man, will you keep me posted on how the girls' eighth grade basketball? I will. Going? I will. I'll give you an update. We got we got some tough action. Do this we week. stream that on ESPN Plus or something? Can I catch <laughs> that anywhere? <laughs> Happy holidays, dude. Thank you. Thank you.